Welcome to SoundingTheLight.com, the place where you can connect to real people, real stories, real talk. My name is Tara Tucker. Thank you so much for listening in today from wherever it is that you are. I am excited to be sharing an interview that I had with a very special guest. His name is Rondi Siani, and he is an excellent painter. In the almost 50 years that he has been painting, he has been commissioned by authors such as Max Licato and Frank Peretti. Uh, He's even been commissioned to do paintings for the White House and for the Olympics. (laughs) So uh, he's very well known, and his paintings are just beautiful and powerful, and they have so many layers if you look close enough. I've posted a few here on the podcast page, so I hope you can take some time to look closely at them and really take them in. There's a lot of hidden gems in each one of them. I met Ron a few weeks ago at a weekend seminar he was holding with the uh, Masterpiece Christian Fine Arts Group. Uh, they were they were at Eugene First Baptist, so I was able to go and um, see several of his paintings firsthand, and I was so amazed at the detail and the powerful message each one held. And it was really wonderful to get to hear Ron speak, and he was so personable. I had brought my 12-year-old daughter, who is an aspiring artist, uh, with me to hear him and uh, see his paintings, and she was so inspired by what he shared that night that she had wanted to go up and meet him afterwards and talk to him a little bit, and he was kind enough to give her his full attention and answer all of her questions, and then he even asked if he could pray for her uh, after that, and it just made such a big impression on her, really blessed us both. His passion for using his paintings to just reach out to people with the message of the gospel is really infectious. So I'm really excited to be sharing his interview today with you. So here it is, the interview with Ron DeCiani. Ron, thank you so much for being a guest on Sounding the Light. My pleasure. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm in sunny California. It's going to be about 80, I think, and... um, Nice and sunny, and that's why I moved here. <laughs> Where did you move from? Chicago. Oh, my God. <laughs> so that, that was yeah. a really big difference right there. Just a little. <laughs> Is Chicago where you were born? Yeah, just, yes, it was. Um, we lived in Chicago for many, many years, and uh, the weather finally took its toll on me. Um you know, just through some life circumstances, uh, uh, I developed uh, kind of a, a cold weather asthma thing. Oh, and so there were days I, I couldn't go outside. I, I mean, I just couldn't breathe. And so after our kids moved away, uh, got married, moved away, one of our sons went on the mission field. And uh, I looked at my wife. I said, what are we still doing here? <laughs> and I, in my travels, I had gone to San Diego a lot and realized that I was looking up at palm trees. And I thought, do people really live here? <laughs> because I only saw palm trees when I was on vacation. Uh-huh. And, of course, the answer was, yeah. And so we, uh, took, we, we, we prayed. We said, God, we don't want to go where you don't want us to go. And mm-hmm. uh, so we, we placed before him, you know, three things that we really needed and said, if it's this, if it's this, if it's this, then we'll know you're in it. And of course it was. And the weather was one of them. 
That's really awesome. So when did you make the move? Uh, it's actually been almost 20 years now. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's pretty much home now. It's home for sure. Um, if I never see another day of snow, it will be too soon. <laughs> there were times when I was out there, um, and I hate to admit this, but, you know, um, my wife used to have to snow blow the driveway. Oh, no. And she'd be out there at 5.30 in the morning, and, and uh, I couldn't go out there and do it, but I'd open the door and go, I think you missed the spot over there. And <laughs> that, didn't work out. that didn't work out too well. But, but otherwise, uh, yeah, I didn't spend much time outdoors in that kind of environment. But the summers were great, you know, and uh-huh. the, um, the spring and, and fall were beautiful. I mean, they were great. Plus, Best food in the world. Oh, yeah. I bet you got a lot of good pizza and hot dogs and all that good stuff. Oh here God. comes from Chicago. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We actually, here in California, when we first came here, um, we we just went out to dinner and we went into a place that was a pizza place. And mm-hmm. as we sat down, the owner was going around to all the new people he didn't know. And so he stopped by us and said, hey, and notice you haven't been in here before. Where are you from? And we said, uh, Chicago. And he said, mm, you're not going to want to eat here. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> At least That's he was true. honest. <laughs> he was. And he was right. Uh, so let's talk about your art. Can you tell me why you got into art when you even found out that you were yeah. first an artist? You know, I can remember... And very limited, obviously, but I could remember when I was like three to five years old, um, well, going up to the TV and trying to trace everything that was on the TV yeah. for as long as I could. And it was always, I, I think it was a gift from my mom, to be quite honest with you. Um, they were from Italy, mm-hmm. and um, my mom just had that artistic talent, and she, and I'll say this, um, for anybody who might be listening, um, it's extremely important that the people around you uh, support you. Mm-hmm. If you feel that the arts are something that you're interested in and God's given it to you and you feel that passion, uh, the worst thing in the world is having people around you saying, no, 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 don't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, my dad had a bit of a problem Um from the economic side where he would say to me, how are you going to make a living? Mm -hmm. And I said, dad, I really don't know. I just feel like this is what the Lord's telling me to do. And I could remember walking out the door to go to the American Academy of art where I went to school. And, um, he just couldn't put it all together because he said to me, you know, go be an electrician or a carpenter Mm -hmm. because you'll always have work. And I'm not saying those, those things were, um, negative because I love doing uh, carpentry and I love doing, um, you know, projects and hobbies and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, it, this was just something in my soul. Uh, and I think if you seek God, I mean, you know, if you're a Christian and you seek God, you know, he'll make it clear to you whether it's what you're supposed to do. I used to say many times to people who would come to me, you know, I'm at that place where I, I, I'm either going to be an artist or uh, a policeman. I said, well, go be a policeman. Mm. And the reason I said that was because 
Um, art is very, uh, there, was a, there was a great artist back in the 1950s and 60s. His name was Andrew Loomis. And Andrew Loomis was one of the famous illustrators of the day. And I love, I, I have one of his books and I go through his book all the time. And he said, art is long and time is short. Hmm. So, yeah, it takes such a phenomenal desire that that's what's going to bring you through the hard times. And I've had the hard times. Mm-hmm. I've had clients that didn't pay. I've had frustrating assignments where, you know, um, uh, clients just made it very difficult. Uh, not many. Uh, you know, I mean, I've done thousands of paintings uh, professionally. Wow. So it isn't like a lot. most of them were bad. I mean, I would say I had two or three that drove me crazy. But other than that, they were great. But I know many of of an artist who said, I just can't take this anymore and quit. It does. It takes a lot, I'm sure, to push through. And, and not only because it's something that's difficult to do to begin with and to have the creative spirit, mm-hmm. but I also know that being creative is also a very vulnerable place to be to begin with. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Because if somebody's criticizing your work, in reality, they're criticizing yeah. you, you know, and um, if when that happens, it hits deep in the soul. But, um, yeah, um, art is very difficult to get through the learning years. Uh, most people think, and, you know, I, I uh, met you at a seminar that I did in Oregon. Mm-hmm. And um, when I awesome. went to interact well, thank you. When I went to um, interact with the students, my first statement to them was, look, just in case you're wondering, I don't have any magic dust I could sprinkle on you. <laughs> I mean, I'm just mm-hmm. going to tell you what it takes to become a professional. And I'll talk a little bit more about that later on in the interview. But um, it's it's just a, a, a very, very competitive and, and uh, uh, you know, complex road that if you're not prepared for the bumps, then it's not for you. It's just not for you. And, uh, and so I knew that for me, it was do this or die. Hmm. I mean, there was just nothing else that I ever wanted to do. And so um, I spent 40 45 years literally studying the wow. masters, as we say, the Rockwells and Maxwell Parrish. Yes. And I know I'm throwing up names that you probably don't even know. But, oh, I know um, some of those guys. <laughs> Definitely Rockwell. Yeah, yeah, Rockwell was always my favorite. As a matter of fact, maybe one of the biggest compliments I ever got in my work was when I was a professional in Chicago, um, I had a very large ad agency who I were my clients. Um, they called me one day and said, look, we, uh, we have a very, very large project. Um, it's for one of the biggest companies in the world and we're doing their, uh, an annual report for them. And we called Norman Rockwell, uh, to do a painting for us and he's unable to do it. And, um, they said, so we're calling you. Wow. You were second, <laughs> you were second after Norman Rockwell. That's that's huge. I'll, I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. Uh, guys like Norman Rockwell, Rockwell were so specially gifted. Mm-hmm. My only 
sore point is that he never recognized that his gift came from the Lord. Oh. You know, that I'm aware yeah. of, and I've studied him for decades upon decades, but his talent was amazing. And very few ever recognized it in his early days. The Metropolitan Museum of Art wouldn't even let him in. Are you serious? And now they sell his, you know, now he's in <laughs> yeah. the Metropolitan Museum and now his work is, you know, I think he just sold, um, not he, but his family just mm-hmm. sold a painting for like $14 million. And, oh. and so, but he had worked so hard that at one point in his life, his family had to take away his little twenty-two pistol. They, really? they thought he would shoot himself. Yeah. Oh my god. They goodness. thought that it, it, all the pressure would, would have gotten to him. And, you know, uh, I've never felt like doing that, but there are times I felt like jumping out the window. Mm. The only problem is I was always on the first floor, <laughs> so uh, wouldn't have, wouldn't have done me. Kind any of defeats good. the purpose. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it would just be an exercise in futility. So, <laughs> but that's a true story. That's a true story about Norman Rockwell, and um, I would never want the kind of pressure Rockwell had on him. I've got enough of my own, but mm-hmm. the kind Rockwell had is he set a standard for his work that he could never go under. I mean, you know, being from Chicago, I learned something that, um, you know, it's for the general public, it's never enough. Hmm. I remember one night, Michael Jordan, um, I used to love going to the games and I had a friend of mine who had become a Christian uh, through one of my testimonies. And uh, he was the he was the caller um, of the on on radio and TV, and he would always call up at times say, "Hey, why don't you bring your boys and we'll, we'll you know come you know get you a couple tickets." But I remember one time Michael Jordan scored sixty nine points in a game. Whoa! The, <laughs> that the, guy was amazing. One of, the, one, of, one of the first things that the reporter said after the game is, "What do you plan to do tomorrow night?" And I would have said, I think I'm going to stay home. Yeah. I mean, how do you just repeat that every night, yeah. every night, every night? And yeah. um, wow. you can't. But, you know, that's when you begin to realize that only God is God and we're just humans, that, um, you know, we could work hard and we could do some pretty amazing things through his power, but we we are not robots. We are not machines. And um, there's a limit to what we could do. So if we put ourselves in a position of uh, a, a particular standard, uh, now my standard is professional. There's no, I, I will not compromise that. But if it is, many artists paint specifically for uh, adulation. Mm. They want everybody to ooh and ah when they work. And they want everybody to say, oh, man, you're the greatest, you're the best. Well, no thanks. Um, I want to, and again, you know, I I think I'm getting ahead of you, but uh, I have a mission. Mm -hmm. I have a mission. Uh, If anybody ever looks at my work and says, oh, great use of cerulean blue, (laughs) I don't fall over dead. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. I, I want them, I want them to say, I saw God in that, oh, yes. and I and I saw myself in that. And you know, I can I can if we got time, I can tell you a story of something that happened to me. Please, when please it was do. most most yeah most unlikely um, some time ago. Um, and and I've been fortunate that most of my career has been just 
one painting after another. I mean, I barely would finish one and I'd already have a client on the phone wow. uh, for my next one. And it's, it's, it's unusual, but just it's God. And, and one time I was at a client and while I was there, I got a phone call from one of my publishers and they said, look, we have a book that, you know, you have to do. And I said, uh, I just got to tell you, I'm really busy. I said, I, 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 you know, I love you guys and I, I've done many things with you, but I don't have time to do this. And they said, look, why don't we send you the book? And it's only in the galley stage right now. It's not obviously not been printed, but we want you to read it. And if, if after you read it, you still feel that it's not for you, then we'll, we'll let you off the hook. And I <laughs> thought, oh, that's a great idea because mm-hmm. I can take a week or two and then say no. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and so what happened is I read the book. I was so um, struck by the message of the book. And uh, the name of the book was Stasia's Gift. It was a story of a family who um, became pregnant and, you know, were joyful. They were a Christian family. And when they went to the doctor at a certain point, the doctor said, look, I, I've got some really tragic news for you. Your baby is going to be born without a stem, a uh, brain stem. And therefore, I highly recommend um, you have her aborted because she will never be um, functioning. She will, she will be basically what doctors call a vegetable or that kind of wording. Mm-hmm. And they said, so we, we, there, there really is no hope. There's no cure. And they said, well, we're Christians and we don't do that. And they stuck to their guns and little Stasia was born and they said in the book that it was she was the best thing that ever happened mm. to them. And yes, she did. She was born without a stem cell wow. or without a uh, brain stem, but she was just the light, you know, a light in their lives. So when I got the book and read it, I said, there's no way I can't do this. Uh-huh. So I had an idea in my mind that was just what I thought absolutely spectacular. I said, God, you've really given me a great idea. Well, when I sat down to paint it, what the book was, was more my idea, I should say, was that the mom and the setting was in Stasia's room and you could see the crib and mm-hmm. um, you could you could see the mom holding Stasia in her arms while two angels are picking her up mm-hmm. out of her arms. Oh, and obviously wow. taking taking her to glory. She only yeah. lived to three and a half years old. And the dad's in the background crying. Mm. And um, I thought it was the idea of the century. I thought, wow. Um, as I painted it, um, I ran into some artistic um, problems, meaning when I said, okay, I need to know what the mom looks like. I need to know what Stasio looked like. I need to know what the dad looks like. Well, they sent me pictures about the size of a postage stamp. Oh, no. <laughs> and I just, I told the publisher, I said, how am I supposed to do this? And they went, eh, you'll figure it out, you know. Oh, wow, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and so I, I prayed, did my best. I remember when the painting was all done, I just kind of slumped back in my chair and, 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 that I paint on, and I said, 
God, I'm sorry, this wasn't anything like I had hoped. Hmm. I said, but if there's any way you can use it, here it is, Lord. Now, Hmm. please understand, it was above the line of professional. Because I wouldn't let anything out of my studio that wasn't professional. But it wasn't one of those that met the expectation of what I had hoped. So what happened was I brought the painting in to the publisher and they loved it and said, thank you. It's great. It was wonderful. And about a month later, I came in for another assignment. And as soon as I got there, one of the um, administration of the uh, publishing house met me and said, um, you got to come in and, and see what, what we got. Cause there's not a dry eye in the house. Oh my goodness. Well, well, my my first thought was it wasn't that bad, you know. <laughs> uh, but but they said no, we uh-huh. got we got a, we got a letter, and you got to read it. So the letter was from somewhere in the south. As a matter of fact, um, it was I think it was in Atlanta region. Hey, that's my old stomping ground. I think it was. Yeah, I, I know, and I I think it was in that region where um, of all the paintings they put that painting on the cover of their of their fall list wow meaning it was going to go to every bookstore everywhere wow and it was the introductions of their books and i was honored although i didn't really see it happening i was honored but i was more honored when they told me that one of their store owners knew of a family who had a nine-year-old boy that was dying. And at that time, one of my boy, one of my boys was nine years old. Oh, man. So imagine my reaction. So they tore the cover off, brought it to this family, hmm. and they said, we want to give this to you. We want you to use it to explain to your son what's going to happen. They said at a particular day, the boy called his mom up to his room and pointed to the painting and said, I think it's time for me to go. And so someday when I get to heaven, I'm, there's going to be a little boy Hmm. who's going to come up to me and say, you helped me make the transition from there to here. Well, that is, I don't know how God did that. How God did that with one of my Mm. lesser, lesser uh, paintings. But see, God's not looking for us to be talented or um, a genius. He's looking for us to be available. Hmm. You know, when God says, I'm going to use you or has a plan for your life, you know, nobody could stop it. Not Hmm. the devil, not bad people, not bad work, not anything. Hmm. Now, let me get this clear. Bad work is the last thing I'd ever want to be accused of. Yeah. And it wasn't bad. It just wasn't what I saw in my mind. As a matter of fact, very few of my paintings ever meet the expectation that I start out with. Hmm. But by the grace of God, I guess people don't see in them all the mistakes that I see in them. And and um and God continues to use me and use them. And I I know without him, uh I try up and go away. But um, but that was an example that I'll never forget, that God did what I couldn't. Yeah. And and uh, that's what I want. 
that's what I want. I, I, I want to put my meager efforts in his hands and say, if you could do something with this, uh, it's yours. It's yours. I wish I would have been better, but you know what to do with it. So uh, that's one of uh, the stories of my life. I've got dozens upon dozens of that same kind of story. And I get emails that are heart-wrenching. Um, uh, you got time for one more? Absolutely. Okay, well, I, I did two books with Max Licato. And um, after we had done uh, one of them, um, this is the day, in the days of uh, not email, but faxes and all that kind of stuff. And he uh, he faxed me a letter that he had received. And he said, Ron, you just got to read this. And I said, oh, okay. And uh, it basically, uh, make a long story short, it was a mom who had three children and she was on her way to commit suicide. Mm. And she was young and, but life as it does sometimes, you can become real weary. Mm. You can become yeah. real weary in this life. And I know what that's like. And, and um, she said, I want to go pick a gift out to leave for my children. Mm. And I don't, know what I want to get, but she walked into a bookstore, didn't even tell me if it was a Christian bookstore or just a bookstore, and there was our book. Um, and she grabbed it, didn't even read it, hmm. paid for it, stuck it in a bag, and went home. Well, um, I like to use the word coincidentally because it's so ridiculous, but <laughs> if the world would say coincidentally on her way home, her car broke down. And she just had to sit there and wait till either help would come or somehow she could um, get the thing rolling again. And she, you know, here it is the dead of night. And she looked over hmm. and saw the book in the, in the bag, took it out and read it. Sensed that God was speaking to her through the book and said, I can't do this. I'm going to go home to my kids. Wow. And Max just said, you know, can you believe that God oh, used this? Wow. And so uh, what we found out, which was amazing, was that she lived basically about 45 minutes away from us. Huh. So my wife, uh, she grabbed a bunch of my prints and books and ran over to where she was, put it on the doorstep, rang the bell and left. Hmm. And then she called the church we were going to, which was just down the street, not, I mean, about a mile away from mm -hmm. where she lived and said, you, you need to look in on this lady and give her some help. And so God orchestrated for us to be able to help her wow. when we just did a book. Wow. And we did a book, you know, and, yeah. and so, um, you know, who can do that? Who can do that but God? That's amazing. And That's beautiful. So, yeah. So to be, under his wings so that he could lead me where he wants me to go. Um, and I can't say that sometimes I haven't been like Jonah where I want, Lord, I don't want to do that. <laughs> you know? But God just says, look, uh, what is, what does it say in Samuel? Uh, obedience is better than sacrifice mm -hmm. or, you know, to obey is better than sacrifice. And I used to, I used to love to listen to a guy that's uh, passed away in 1986, but I don't know if some of your listeners know who he is or who he was, 
but his name was Keith Green. Oh my God. He and, is one of my top favorites. I grew up listening to him and he's one of my biggest uh, inspirations musically and everything. He was so real. Oh yeah. And, and, um, I did a painting with Keith and, um, his wife became real good friends with our family mm. and, uh, you know, she would come over and she'd look at me. She'd say, you know, you remind me so much of Keith. Hmm. And and I said, what, what do you mean? Because I couldn't sing a, I can't even <laughs> sing a bad note, let alone a good note. And she said, it's just that, that driving passion that God's given you. She said, when Keith would play the piano, he would do it so vigorously that he wore out the carpet underneath our piano by stepping on that pedal. I love it. And she says, I see, I, I see that in you. And I, I didn't really know what to say because I didn't never, and I still don't think I'm on that level, but mm. um, just, uh, yeah, I would listen to his stuff and uncompromising. And mm. a lot of people hated him because yeah. he would always point out that, you know, um, uh, we we got to give it all. Yes. You know, we just got to. People want to hear that. They yep. want to just to hear. You know, Jesus, Jesus loves you. You're okay just the way you are. And yep. Keith, we get up there and go, no, mm-hmm. you're not okay just the way you Brought are. Brought a lot and, of conviction. And so, yeah. And and you know, the more I listened to him, the more I wanted to listen to him. And and so, uh, you know, I I want to be like that. Uh, even as I'm getting a little bit older, I want to uh, I want to give it everything I got before I. I leave this world. Well, you certainly, in looking at your paintings, in fact, if you have a few more minutes, I, I would love to talk about some of your specific paintings and where you got inspiration yeah. for these. These are amazing. Um, the first one that I'd love to talk about is the one called Before I Formed You. It's a mm. it's an absolutely gorgeous painting um, of the hand of Christ touching the belly of a woman who's pregnant and something that I love about your paintings, besides the message that they bring, is that they are not just a one note or a one level. It's almost like you've got little Easter eggs hidden in there. You have to look really oh, yeah. close at what's going on in each painting to realize, oh my goodness, there's there's things under the surface here that I wouldn't have seen had I not looked at it. And on her stomach, you can you don't see if you're far away, but you have to really look at it. And there's the face of a child. And, uh, and there's this little gleam of light where Jesus' hand is touching her stomach. It's so beautiful. Can you talk about the inspiration Thank for this you. one? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, you may know my testimony that I was uh, minutes away from being aborted. Yes. Would and, you share uh, that? And Yeah. Um, my mom... Um, we lived as a typical Italian family. And what I mean by that is um, when you move in, you, your grandparents move in, your <laughs> aunts move in, uh, you know, you, you're, you're a large family. Mm-hmm. And I know Italians aren't the only one who does that. And today in America, we're starting to, to actually do that because of finances and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But um when my mom became pregnant with me, it was already my grandmother, my aunt, my dad, my brother, my dog, wow. you know, the whole thing, <laughs> and my mom. And we were, all, we were all in a little apartment in Chicago, near downtown Chicago. It wasn't even a great neighborhood. As a matter of fact, I used to run home from school. And a successful day at school was that I got home alive, you oh, know. No. Um, oh, no. You know, so... Yeah. Uh, my mom just said, I, 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 my, my grandmother, who was the spiritual influence in our family, 
uh, we saw things in her that we just spoke of God. I mean, she had a relationship with God that was unbelievable. And so, uh, but she was getting to that age where she needed to almost be cared for like a child. So my mom had that on her shoulders as well. And so when she became pregnant with me, she just said, nah, I can't do this. I can't do this. So she walked down Grand Avenue in Chicago and got to her doctor's office. And they said, well, we're going to start with a injection. And uh, my mom was not, although my mom appreciated and understood uh, what God did for us through Christ, mm-hmm. she hadn't had that personal relationship with him at that time. And so as the needle came to her arm, she said that God audibly hmm. spoke to her and said, don't do this. I have a plan for this baby. Wow. And she literally pushed the needle away. It was about, she always told me it was like an inch from her arm, pushed the needle away, got up, walked out, and never went back. So wow. <laughs> for decades after I was born, my mom would say she would relate that story to me. God's got a plan for you. God's got a plan for you, Ron. God's got a plan for you. Did you believe her and when, I would when go, she told you that? Or were you like, oh, yeah. Oh, my whatever. gosh, yeah. Okay, I didn't good. know what it was, though. <laughs> I didn't know what it was. See, you know, it was kind of like Abraham. Go up to the mountain, sacrifice mm-hmm. your son. And you don't have any more details than that. Mm-hmm. You know, and, yes. and so, um, so I would go to... Um, uh, we used to call them um, uh, rallies. Uh, that term is out of vogue these days. But, <laughs> you know, uh, we would go to a place where there was a, a Christian speaker and mm-hmm. music. And I guess today we just call them concerts. And, you know, there was this one uh, evangelist who, you know, it was probably 1,500, 2,000 kids there. And hmm. I'm sitting way out in no man's land. And he stops and he points over in my direction and he said you hmm. come up here and i'm looking around like who's you it ain't me <laughs> it can't be me well he zeroed it in and it was me and i got up and went down the front and guess what he says to me god's got a plan for you god's got a plan for you and so i he said do you know that and i hmm. said yeah because i knew that my mom kept telling me that so I didn't know what it was, but so if he would have gone on and said, okay, tell me what it is, I would have gone, hey, I don't know. <laughs> um, so many times throughout those decades, you know, I was in high school, I was in all these things, and I I couldn't see plainly, you know, what mm-hmm. God had planned for me, although the only class I got an A in was art. <laughs> you well, know, there you go. <laughs> and, and the rest, I wasn't doing too good in it. As a matter of fact, in one point, they made me stop taking art because they said, until you start doing better in the other classes, we're going to take away the only class you're doing good. In. Oh, no. And I thought, I don't know why, but even at my young age, that doesn't sound right. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. It sounded uh, counterproductive to me, but at uh-huh. any rate, so, so my mom kept telling me this, my mom kept telling me this and I kept going through my life going, you know, okay, Lord, let me spot what it is that you've got for me. And so finally, um, you know, God made it clear to me what I was supposed to, what what uh, lane I was supposed to travel. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember going to college my first year and I was, you know, I hadn't done anything um, of note in the art world. And I remember having a teacher who 
uh, looked at me and, you know, he said, what the heck did you do in high school? You know, because I just wasn't doing very good. And I said, well, honestly, I want to I want to go to the American Academy. And he said, don't even bother hmm. to apply. Hmm. Don't even bother. They'll never let you in. And I just said, well, you know, I let stuff like that roll off me mm-hmm. because if God's telling you to do something, who knows better? Yes. God or somebody who's a cynic. And so I didn't say anything. And um, I, I enrolled in the American Academy. They not only let me in, but... Uh, it wasn't long before I was their like featured student, um, <laughs> and and uh, I remember the first day of class, I sat next to um, a guy, and his name was Dale Michaels, and I've never seen him since. But he, big tall guy, he drew like it was just flowing out of his fingers. Hmm. And I remember the model. The model came up and took her position. And he was drawn away, and it was amazing. And I didn't even know where to start. I was holding up the piece of charcoal, like, what do I do with this, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> and I just thought, man, I, I just don't know how you get that good. So years went by, and I remember I didn't, it was no sob story, but I didn't really have money for lunch. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife now, who was my girlfriend at the time, and fiance helped put me through school. I mean, I cleaned toilets in order to do, and and was a janitor in order to uh, do the tuition. But you know, she helped me with you know bus fare and train fare and all that kind of stuff. And we together knew that we were going to spend our lives together, of which it's now been fifty-two years. Oh wow! Congratulations! So it, thank you, thank you. Never kissed another woman in my life. Never. <laughs> Never wanted to, never had another date. She was the only date I ever had. So uh, I definitely outmarried myself, definitely outmarried myself. But (laughs) at any rate, um, so when I was there, my father passed away. Hmm. And um, I said, well, that's all for this because who's going to take care of my mom? And I had a brother who was at the University of of Chicago or University of Illinois at Chicago. And uh, he was just about ready to finish. I said, I can't ask him to quit school. So it's got to be me to -hmm. quit school. And um, I, you know, talked with my wife, Pat, or my girlfriend at the time. And I just said, honey, I just, I thought this was it. I I don't know what to do, but I'm just going to have to quit. So before I had the chance to do that, I went back to school. I had to finish whatever uh, I was doing. And I got a announcement over the loudspeaker who said, you know, Ron DeSantis, would you come to the office? And so I went and um, the, the CEO of the art school was a very, very internationally famous artist. Uh, and he sat me down. He said, um, we've been watching you. And we've been watching your progress and we've been seeing what what you're doing. And I said, okay. <laughs> so I was ready for two things. Either could you please leave or <laughs> um, we, we like it. Mm-hmm. And he basically said, somebody's donated money to the school and we want to give it to you. Wow. And I said, oh, you, you mean because of what happened? And he said, mm, what do you mean? I said, you know, my dad, and he said, what about your dad? Hmm. And I said, my dad passed away last week. And he goes, I had no idea. Hmm. But you see, 
He didn't need to have an no, idea. God knew. Yep. God knew. So when we wow. wonder, Lord, I'm at the end of my rope. I don't know where mm-hmm. to go. I don't know what to do. God says, relax, relax. <laughs> I know where to send you. I know what to do. I know what to give you. I see your needs. And he's met them every time. So I had enough money to be able to go back, finish up. Um, and uh, the school was so kind to me. I mean, they they uh, sent me to a uh, agency to get work. And I, I tapped on the door and I said, you know, the American Academy sent me here. And he said, I had... I've had a 20-plus-year relationship with the American Academy. I told them if you ever find somebody who is at a certain level that hmm. graduates from your school, I want you to send him to me. And he and said, you were that guy? You're the first, you were the first person they've ever sent. Wow. So if I that's not confirmation. <laughs> yeah, it was just confirmation after yeah. confirmation after confirmation. And, you know, I'm not the brightest uh, guy, but, I, you know, you can't deny certain things. Yeah. But at any rate, God made it clear. And then, um, you know, sort of off and running. And uh, I spent about 20 years in the commercial field doing work for companies all over the world. I was represented out of New York and Chicago. And um, I painted the president of the United States. I was the official illustrator for the Olympics. Wow. Uh, for the United States. Uh, and you, I worked for the Smithsonian, you know, just on and on and on. And I used to have people come up to me, other artists, and they'd say, how do you get these jobs? <laughs> and then my first answer to them was always a question. It was, are you a Christian? Hmm. And when they said no, I would say, well, then you're not going to understand. Hmm. But if they said, yes, I am, I would say, God sent them to me. And he's doing something with me, and I'm just, you know, I always felt like I was watching a parade going by. Even though I was in the parade, I always felt like <laughs> I was standing on the outside watching the parade go by. Hmm. And to this day, I always feel like, God, how do you do what you do? But that's not for me to know. All mm-hmm. it is is to obey, you know. So yeah. I probably led you in 10 different directions that you didn't want to go, but okay. <laughs> no, this has been... This has been amazing, and I've just been sitting here wishing for, like, the last minute that we had, like, a two-hour podcast session. Okay, well, let me let me answer your question, though. How did I get the inspiration yes. for before I formed you? Yes. Um, so I've always been very uh, sympathetic uh, toward the plight in our, in our uh, country and yes. around the world. I mean, we are massacring mm-hmm. uh millions of babies. So um, every time I was asked to speak at a pro-life banquet or uh, event, they'd come up to me and say, we want you to do a painting. And I would go, okay, what do you got in mind? And they would say, we want like the fetus all torn apart and Mm. ripped apart and all bloody and hanging. And I went, whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) I don't do that. Mm -hmm. So nobody's going to hang that up. So you'll be defeating, you'll be shooting yourself in the foot. So one day I got a call from my buddy, uh, Ray Comfort. I don't know if you know Ray Comfort. I don't think so. Um, Evangelist, uh, him and Kirk Cameron uh, work together. Yeah. And uh, he has a ministry called Living Water. And uh, he called me one day, said, Ron, you got to do something. In light of your testimony, you got to do something for the 
pro-life. Mm-hmm. And I said, Ray, you know, I've tried, but they always want these gory pictures that are not going to accomplish anything. And I frankly just don't know how to, what to do. And he said, would you just pray? Would you just pray and ask mm-hmm. God to give you a, a, a vision? And I said, yeah, I, I will. But I kind of expected that the same kind of grotesque stuff would happen. And God gave me the idea before I formed mm-hmm. you. Uh, my my daughter-in-law, who uh, my son, my daughter-in-law, and their five children, who actually were all born in my house. I don't mean <laughs> like, yeah, while they were living here. I mean in the upstairs wow. bedroom. <laughs> And my wife actually helped deliver one of them. Wow! And and so at any rate, because my at the time my son was paramedic, and uh, oh, for goodness' uh, sake! So I prayed, and and that image came to mind, and I used uh, her in her pregnant state to have the body of the baby showing, because God knows what's in the womb. Mm. And I went to read the word, and I uh, Jeremiah one five and six says, "Before I formed mm. you in the womb, I knew you." And before you were born, I set you apart. Now, my question at the time, and still is today, have we aborted the person, male or female, who was to come to this world and cure cancer? Mm -hmm. Did we abort the person who was to come to this world and bring peace to a troubled world? Very likely the answer to that is yes. I mean, there have been hmm. so many millions of children aborted. We don't even know yeah. how many, yeah. but they're in the hundreds of millions from the statistics I've heard. I mean, I, just last night, I think it was, my wife and I were watching the news, and um, we saw women, you know, holding up hmm. these, it's my right to abort, it's my yeah. right to abort. And I thought, what has happened to yeah. your heart that, that's what you want to do. It's like saying, I want to kill, I want to kill, I want to kill. And, I mean, what what's happened to you? What What's taken over you that you have no value to life? And yeah. even the people who are saying, yes, I vote for it, I want to say to them, you have a daughter, right? Would you want your daughter to be aborted? And I don't know what all the answers were, would be, but I have asked that question to some, and they've, didn't know what to say because it's always easy to tell somebody else what they ought to do. And it's my property. Well, no, it isn't. Mm-hmm. You know, life's a gift from God. It's not a property. And mm-hmm. so at any rate, so I finally did, um, before I formed you in the womb and Ray has a big ministry and he promoted it and he actually promoted it with one of his, uh, movies that he created called 180 which is as he goes down the street and talks to many crowds of people about abortion and other topics, they, they start out absolutely positively um, pro-abortion. Mm-hmm. And by the time he's done, they all come up to him and say, I'm not pro-abortion anymore. Hmm. I'd be interested. And to see so that. it's called one, you know, doing that 180. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we shrunk wrap the print with the uh, 180 movie in it. And as it's gone everywhere, we hear the testimonies of of people going into a clinic and they're pregnant and thinking my only option is uh, to uh, do an abortion. But they see the painting that has been put up on the wall and they walk out and say, mm-hmm. I can't do this. 
And so God is using it all around the world, and we're just blown away. Wow. Um, and, and so it's one more thing that God did. And, uh, you know, all I could say is I have the privilege of turning people from darkness to light through the power of God. And that's what I want to do. When all this is said and done, and I stand before Christ, there's only one hmm. thing I want to hear him say. And that's, well done, well good done. and faithful servant. Yes. I don't want to hear him say, hey, you made a lot of money at art. Or, man, you did some great paintings, and that's not what I want to hear. I want to hear him say, come on in, and I want to tell you about all the other ones you don't even know about <laughs> that of what I did with. And that's what I want to hear. I mean, and so that's what I'm striving for. So, you know, I've won my share of awards over the years, and they sit in a drawer somewhere. <laughs> uh, I don't know. And my wife, every once in a while, says, why don't you hang some of those up? And it just doesn't interest me. I mean, um, you know, you get an award and you walk away and it's around to somebody else. And <laughs> so, so at any rate, so that's how that painting came about. Man, that's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. And uh, there is like... There's a whole wealth of other things that I would love to talk about, but I hate that the time is so short. Um, I so appreciate you taking the time to share. This has been really, really beautiful. Thank you. I was. I thought you were going to say there's so many other things that I wanted to talk about, but you are so long-winded that <laughs> I couldn't get to it. So. Oh, I love it. <laughs> no, I, I have visions in the future of like asking you back, you know, and just we're going to take your life in pieces. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, let me do, let me, can I just say one more thing? Oh, please do. One more thing. Um, for those who are considering a career in art mm -hmm. and they're Christians and they're saying, I wonder what it's going to take to become a good artist and you know, what should I do? Should I paint still lives? Should I paint, you know, landscapes and nature and beauty? I, I would say this. I don't know if you know it or not, but we're at war. Mm -hmm. This life is a war mm -hmm. that if we don't tell this world about Christ, who's going to do it? And I will tell you, we are losing the battle when it comes to visuals, hmm. we've got Hollywood and all the big studios yeah. making movies of these guys who they say are going to save the world. Yep. They are cartoons. <laughs> Figure it out. There's nobody who's going to save the world, but Christ alone. So I don't have anything else to talk about. And if I lived a thousand lifetimes, I'd never be able to do enough to let this world know that Jesus really is the answer, as we used to sing many years ago. But excellence is paramount because non-excellence will keep people from seeing Christ. Hmm. If you put six fingers on the hand... <laughs> and somebody goes to look at it, you may want them to see another uh, uh, dynamic in their painting, but all they're going to do is go, uh, dude, I think you got six fingers on that guy's hand. <laughs> and so you got to be excellent. And mm. I'll tell you, I'm, I've been doing this for almost a half a century, and I'm still going, Lord, 
I'm not as good as I ought to be. I got to get better and I got to get better. So all that I would ask is that you go into this knowing, number one, what you're up against, and two, work like there's no tomorrow, because there might not be. Hmm. When we take our gift and we use it appropriately, um, we wait for the touch of God to set it on fire. So that's that's my two cents, and I've lived it, I practice it, and I can't tell you any anything different. Wow, what an amazing testimony by Rondi Siani. I hope you've enjoyed listening today. If you uh, are interested in seeing more of the paintings that he does, um, besides the ones that are here on this podcast page, I would encourage you to go to his website. I have the link here as well. Um, it is tapestryproductions.com. Before he got off the phone with me, Ron did express the desire for anyone who might be listening in to keep him in prayer that as he's getting older, that he would still have the energy and the strength and passion to keep sharing God's message through his art. So if you would like to support his ministry through prayer, please do. I know it would bless him. If this podcast has blessed you today, and you know of someone else who'd be blessed by it too, there's a link on the left side of the page that makes it easy to share to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, through email, whatever you got it. Also, if you'd like to stay up to date on what's happening with Sounding the Light and when new interviews are posted, connect with me on Facebook. There is a link at the bottom of this page to do that. I hope to see you there. Thank you again so much for joining me today. It has been great to have you here on Sounding the Light. And I have got some more really awesome interviews to share with you in just the next few weeks. I hope you have a wonderful day, and I'll see you back here again real soon. Mm -hmm.